You're listening to the Moms Unscripted Podcast. I would love for you to stand next to me, but you cannot lick my arm. So, you are an overachiever in your sex life. I mean, life. I could teach a class on it. There's just a lot of poop all over everything, <laughs> all the time. Well, and really, I just deflect. If there's man topics, I'm like, yeah, that's not what we do here. Hey friends, today we are talking about relationships and love languages with Dr. Gary Chapman. But before we do that, I want to start this episode by talking with our friend Matt here about something he shared with me two days ago. So we were standing in a parking lot behind his car with our friend Kelly and we noticed that his plates were expired. So don't well, report him to the DMV. We weren't doing shady things. Let's just <laughs> paraphrase that because you started it off sounding very shady. In the parking lot, behind the car. <laughs> we had just finished a video shoot, let me clarify. And we were chatting and we noticed his plates were expired by two years, but that's uh, totally an aside. Um, we were that. giving two him years. a hard time about that. And he shared with us something that is actually super revolutionary. And it just made me appreciate him so much and the intentionality um, that he puts into his relationships and his parenting. And uh, some of it comes from advice that his dad gave him. So Matt, would you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so my dad, he he traveled a lot for work. Uh, he was a U.S. Marshal. And so he did... Um, really, really incredible things. And I also really appreciate him because our family were, were a long line of um, broken families that were divorced and separated. And my dad kind of changed that narrative. He was one of the first ones to actually stay with my mom. And I contribute a lot to him breaking that cycle and making that really different for me and what my perspective could be. Growing up, one thing that he... He was a he was he was not a preacher, but he certainly acted like it. I mean, on a weekly basis, he would come into my room and he would talk. And as a good son, I would listen because he wasn't going to let me out of the room. He was just going to do his thing. And one of the one of those bits that he always said was, "Son, it's it's good to be a workaholic." And I didn't. I really didn't understand it growing up that much. And it really became something that I started to understand just, you know, in my teen years and then college and actually when I started a family. And because whenever you hear workaholic, it's always a negative connotation to it. It's always, you just work all the time and that's your love and you make no time for your family. And what he was actually saying, and he, and he would tell me this, but it took me a while to pick up on it is, he said, son, you go to work, and you work, you come home and you keep working. And I didn't put the pieces together until later on. What he was actually saying is whenever you come home and you keep working, your family is your work, mm -hmm. that it doesn't stop. He's like, I get it. You worked eight plus hours at your job. You gave it your all, cool, reset do it all again for your family in the evening time. And that perspective shift, I try to, I, I do my best. I try to remember that even on the days where we're doing long video shoots and we're working our tails off here, trying to make stuff happen that when I come home, I better be prepared to bring the same amount of effort 
to my family. Mm. And that's kind of something that has just kept with me throughout all these years and something I, I try to do. But that's so good, man. So it's, I, I, all I have to say is I try to be a workaholic, mm-hmm. but the definition is different for me. Okay, now tell, mm-hmm. uh, tell everybody what you do for Kristen. Is this going to get awkward? <laughs> what? I, 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 context? I know. Maybe? <laughs> okay, so Kristen's never paid a bill. Oh, yeah. She's, so she's never paid a bill before. Um, she's never done any kind of taxes. I showed her how to, you know that, you know, you guys talking about your vacuum all in that first episode. I showed her how to use the vacuum again last week. Um, typically whenever I come home, I tell, I, I ask her one question is that, and it's, what am I cooking? And so I come home and typically I start cooking. And then whenever I'm done doing that, typically that's when it's wrestle time with Emery. And so that's when I, after we're cooking, I try and clean as much and as much as I can. And then I'll, you know, do that with her. And it's shifted a little bit now with James, of course, uh, being, having a three month old, but um, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's my Monday through Friday for the most part. And even, you know, I, I work part-time for a church as well. And I only commit one night a week to church things because I don't want, I know church is good, but um, my first responsibility is my family. And so I always try to keep that priority set. And then on the weekends, honestly, I, I asked Kristen, what are we doing? And she plans the weekends. She's the one creating the adventures for our family. And that's just kind of how our family has molded over the years and kind of what it looks like on a weekly basis for mm-hmm. us. So, mm-hmm. which oddly enough, the more I talk with, obviously working with all women, uh, I find that that's very different than a lot of people's experiences. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I mean, I wouldn't change anything thing about it. It's just, I, I, in doing it, I don't, I didn't realize how different it was until I start having these conversations with some of y'all and it's, it's like, Oh, Oh, they don't. Okay. Got it. Like, it's just, it's just different. I love that so much. And I wanted to talk about it because I so appreciate how intentional you are Mm. to love your family and to care for Kristen in the ways that she best, like most needs you to care for her. And I just think it's so summarizes what we want to talk about today, mm-hmm. how we uniquely care for the people in our lives and we show up for them where we're all in, right? We are fully committed to what they need from us in order to show them love. So I just appreciate you sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. Today, we get to talk with Dr. Gary Chapman. Dr. Chapman is a speaker, pastor, counselor, and author of a ton of books, but the one that we're gonna talk about today is The Five Love Languages, which has been on the New York Times bestsellers list continuously since 2007, which is crazy. Dr. Chapman, thanks so much for being with us today. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you. So I know that a lot of the people listening right now are familiar with your work, but for those who aren't, can you explain the concepts behind the five love languages and give us a really high level explanation of what each one is? Uh, Sure, the basic idea is that what makes one person feel loved doesn't necessarily make another person feel loved. And what I discovered in my office is that they would sit there, a couple, and, and one of them would say, I just feel like he doesn't love me or she doesn't love me. And the other would say, I don't understand that. I do this and this, or why would you not feel loved? And I knew people were being sincere, but they were missing each other. 
And so essentially what I did after years of hearing this thing in my office, I read several years of notes that I made and asked myself, when someone said, I feel like my spouse doesn't love me, what did they want? What were they complaining about? And their answers fell into five categories. And I later call them the five love languages. And I started using that in my counseling, that if you want her to feel love, you've got to express love in her love language. If you want him to feel love, you've got to express it in his language. And I would help couples, you know, discover their primary love language, challenge them to go home and try it. And sometimes they'd come back in three weeks and say, Gary, this is changing everything. The whole climate's different now. And then I used it in small groups. And uh, the same thing would happen. And probably five years later, I thought, you know, if I could put this concept in a book, write it in the language of the common person so everybody could understand it, maybe I could help a lot of couples that I would never have time to see in my office. So that's what motivated the book. And here are the five love languages briefly. Number one is words of affirmation. You look nice in that outfit. I really appreciate what you did. You know, there's an ancient Hebrew proverb that says life and death is in the power of the tongue. Mm -hmm. And so it's, this is a powerful way to communicate love. And for some people, this is their primary love language. And if you don't give them words of affirmation, they will not feel love, even though you may be speaking some of the other love languages. Then there is acts of service, doing something for the other person that you know they would like for you to do. Remember the old saying, actions speak louder than words. If this is your love language, actions will speak louder than words. I'm talking about in a marriage, such things as cooking meals, washing dishes, vacuuming floors, washing the car, mowing the grass, walking the dog, changing the baby's diaper. Ooh, that's a big act of service. <laughs> okay. And then a third is gifts. It's universal to give and receive gifts as an expression of love. The gift says, they were thinking about me. Look what they got from me. The gift doesn't have to be expensive. We've always said it's the thought that counts. But I like to remind people, it's not the thought left in your head that counts. It's the gift that came out of the thought in your head, okay? Mm -hmm. A guy told me the other day, said, Dr. Chapman, I was taking a walk. Said, my wife's language is gifts. And I saw a bird feather. And I picked it up and brushed it off and took it home. And I said, honey, while I was walking, I found this bird feather and I want to give it to you because it reminds me that you are the wind beneath my wings. Wow. I love you, girl. Wow. Woo! Wow. You hit a home run. <laughs> so good. She probably if wanted to remarry him. Of affirmation. Yeah. On the spot, I do. That's awesome. Uh, number four is a quality time, by which I mean you give them your undivided attention. I do not mean sitting on the couch watching television. Someone else has your attention. I'm talking about TV is off, computer is down, we're not answering the phone, we're giving each other our undivided attention. And for some people, this is what makes them feel loved. And then number five is physical touch. We've long known the emotional power of physical touch. That's why we pick up babies and hold them and kiss them and cuddle them. And long before the baby understands the meaning of the word love, the baby feels love, a physical touch. In a marriage, this will be such things as holding hands, kissing, embracing the whole sexual part of marriage, arm around the shoulder, putting your hand on their leg as you drive down the road, you know, just affirming physical touches. And the key idea is that out of those five, each of us 
has a primary love language. One of these will speak more deeply to us emotionally than the other four. Mm -hmm. Very similar to spoken language. Every one of us grew up speaking a language with a dialect, and that's the one we understand best. You know, for me, it's a Southern accent, okay? <laughs> but words and language and then dialects. And so the same thing is true when it comes to expressing love. You have to learn the language of the other person and choose to speak it on a regular basis. That's the basic idea. That's so good. Really good. Uh-huh. I'm super, okay. Yeah. I'm super curious if there have been any unique challenges that you have seen couples navigating this past year, maybe that are different from normal years. Anything unique or different? You know, what I've observed in my counseling is that couples who had a healthy marriage before the pandemic, this has really been fine with them. I mean, they've probably grown. They spent more time together. They spoke in each other's language more freely and, and life has really been okay with them. Except for the stresses, of course, of having kids home and not, not in school and that sort of thing. Uh, but for those that were troubled before the pandemic, it's been a very, very stressful mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And if they don't know each other's love language or they're, or they're not speaking each other's love language, then whatever differences they have have gotten bigger mm-hmm. and they've ended up arguing with each other. And, and they're, they're really pretty, pretty desperate, many of them at this point. So, but there's still hope if they can get the help they need and turn, make some changes in things. And the first thing I suggest to those couples that are in trouble is why don't you call a truce on throwing verbal bombs at each other. Because when you got a troubled marriage, that's what you do. You throw verbal bombs. You, you throw criticisms at each other. And bombs explode. And you're, you're literally destroying your relationship. Mm. So just say, honey, we got a lot of problems, but why don't we just have a truce and not throw any verbal bombs for a month? Just really try not to do that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the second week, if we've been successful for one week, why don't we, instead of throwing a verbal bomb, why don't we give each other a compliment, one compliment a week? Just look for something that you do appreciate and just tell me. This can begin to turn the tide for a troubled marriage. Then if they'll learn each other's love language and get this concept down, start speaking the love language. They're, they're, they're moving, they can move in a positive direction in the midst of, a, of you know, being stuck at home together. Do you think our emotions and actions always have to align? Like, do we have to feel something in order to act in a certain way? I think that's one of the biggest uh, misunderstandings in our culture. We are motivated in our culture by emotions. Mm-hmm. And we say, well, I just don't feel any love for you. Well, I understand that. You know, if you've had arguments and criticisms and all that, you lose the love feelings. But in the Bible, love is not basically an emotion. That's right. It's basically an attitude Mm -hmm. with appropriate behavior. The attitude is, I choose to try to enrich your life. Mm -hmm. I want to make your life better. I want to help you become the person that you want to become. That's the attitude. And then you find appropriate ways to to express it. Mm -hmm. So the love language gives you the appropriate way to express it. But you choose your attitude. We don't choose our emotions. Emotions come and go based on what's happening, you know, in, in the relationship. That's right. But we choose our attitude. If we choose an attitude of love and we choose to express it, we touch them emotionally. And when they're touched emotionally, they begin to feel something. They are drawn to us. And if they speak our love language, we'll begin to feel something again. So we can stimulate love, positive emotions. 
But it starts with choosing to love and then uh, expressing it in a in an, a helpful way. That's right. Such a powerful way. Such a powerful stance. I to might be doing too many mm-hmm. It's good to remember, though, that we do have so choices. Mm-hmm. It can right. feel like we don't sometimes, or right. I'm just a victim to the circumstances or to the big feelings in my household. Mm-hmm. It's so good to remember that there are things we have to, we can make a choice in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, I deal with this in Troubled Marriages in a book that I wrote called loving your spouse when you feel like walking away. I understand you can get to the place where you feel like walking away. You know, if you've been hurt over and over and over, you just feel like walking away. And and you can't change your spouse. I mean, we've said that all through the years. You can't change your spouse, but you can influence your spouse. And the most powerful way to influence your spouse is speaking their love language. Whether they're loving you or not, it's loving them like God loves us. He loved us, the Bible says, while we were still sinners. Amen. Well, maybe you're married to one. (laughs) Let God pour his love in you. You're just a channel of expressing love to them. But when you do, in the right love language, you are touching them emotionally. And I can't guarantee you they'll turn around and come back and and express love to you. But I've seen it happen many, many, many times because you're meeting one of their basic needs. And when they begin to feel that coming from you, and they know they don't deserve it, but they're drawn to you because you're doing. Gary, in my head, um, so I've been married 28 years, and in my head, I hear Jesus's voice and often your voice. Um, (laughs) I don't know how that makes you feel, but you're kind of Jesus to me. So there are times when I'm like, you know, that W. What would Gary say? Yeah, what would Gary say? (laughs) Would he respond in kind? How would he respond in this moment? Um, And your all of your books, but definitely um, the five love languages of teens, but five love languages for my spouse. I feel like I'm, I, my marriage is in a good shape because of you and your and your teachings, but also in how I raised uh, our kids. We raised our kids. But I wonder sometimes the feeling part, I think, is where we get stuck. Maybe more for the woman because we're such emotional um, creatures. You say in, in at some point in one of your books that you know, we're not to be bound to our emotions, right? That, that, that we, it is a choice. How, how do you like, what does that look like when you're ready to just, your tongue is on fire. You want to say something, do something, What you know, that's something that's more tangible, a more breathe, of course, take five seconds, come back to this, to the conversation later, um, to not leave the conversation or the other person wounded because because I, yep. I love what you said as far as, you know, those bombs explode and those words can come back later of what you said or did to that person. Yeah, we don't choose our emotions. Uh, we have negative emotions when something, the, the other person does something mm-hmm. or doesn't do something that um, that hurts us. We, these, we have these feelings of hurt and then anger comes. Anger comes when we feel like we've been wronged. Right. And anger is a gift of God. I mean, the the emotion of anger is a gift of God. It comes because we're made in God's image and we have a concern for right. And so when we feel like our spouse has mistreated us, we're angry. Mm -hmm. But there are two kinds of anger. One is the kind of anger God has, and that is we're responding to an injustice. And that's that's healthy because then the question is, well, how can I do, what can I do to set things right? Right, a righteous but anger, a, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but a lot of our anger is what I call distorted anger, and that is we just don't get what we want. Our mm-hmm. spouse doesn't, for example, my wife didn't load the dishwasher the way I thought she ought to load it. 
you know, and I thought any sane person would know how to load a dishwasher, you know. <laughs> so I feel this, I, and that, that's not a sin, the way she loaded the dishwasher. It's just that she wasn't doing it the way I wanted it done. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our anger falls in this category. And and that's just selfish. You know, we, we, we can settle that. You know, just God and I, forgive me for being so immature mm. that I get bent out of shape over something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think in terms when you are angry and you realize you're, you're about to explode, and what I encourage couples to do, agree on this when you're not angry. Just agree that when one of us is angry and feels like we're just about to do something we shouldn't, let's just call a timeout. You can use the timeout sign, you know, timeout. And the other one allows that, you know. Uh, one couple, what they said to me was, uh, you know, when he was when he realized he was about to lose his temper, he would just say to his wife, "Honey, I'm getting hot. I got to take a walk." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she agreed, and he agreed. That's fine. He takes his walk, and he walks around the block and cools off, and then he comes back and says, "Okay, now, honey, I think I'm under control. You won't talk about this now. You won't talk about it later. Either way is fine, but we are going to talk about it because you can't just not process things." But when he's calm, then he then she can say, okay, honey, tell me what you're angry about and what, what stimulated your anger. And he gets to tell her. She's listening. She's just trying to understand, put herself in his shoes and how he interpreted it. And she can then say, well, honey, I can see. I can see why you got angry. Now, let me tell you where I was coming from and why I said what I said. Now he's the listener and he's going to listen to her until he can say, well, I, I can see. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. So how can we solve this thing? And you spend your energy solving the conflict rather than spending your energy trying to win an argument. Hmm. You know, if you win the argument, the other person lost. Right. It's no fun to live with a loser. Why would you create one? You know? Yeah. That's good. (laughs) Oh, and the disagreements we've had about the dishwasher. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of arguments and disagreements, I grew up in a house where we didn't really have any tools for managing our disagreements or resolving them. So my dad was the kind of guy who didn't grow up with any type of resolution tools, like I said. And so if he got upset, he would just ignore us for a couple of days and then suddenly everything was fine. And so I got married and Joe, my husband did something that annoyed me. And so I started to ignore mm-hmm. him because mm-hmm. that was the tool that I had picked up. And he's like, whoa, 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 time out. This is not how we're going to manage conflict between right. the two of us. Mm-hmm. And it was this startling moment where I realized, oh my gosh, like other people do this differently. Mm-hmm. There are other healthier ways to manage conflict. And part of that is apologizing. And you have this incredible book, The Five Languages of Apology, mm-hmm. which has been a huge gift in our family. So will you talk a little bit about that and why it's so necessary to to recognize other people need different apologies than maybe we do. That's good. Yeah, I, uh, I, I really got that idea from a, a, my co-author who's a counselor in our city. And she said, Gary, I've been using the five love languages for years in my counseling, but I think people have an apology language. I said, what do you mean? She said, I think that what one person considers to be a sincere apology is not what another person considers to be a sincere apology. And as soon as she said it, I resonated with it Mm. because for years they've been in my office arguing over whether or not one of them apologized. You know, she would say, well, I would forgive him if he would just apologize. And he would say, I did apologize. You didn't apologize. I told you I was sorry. That's not an apology. (laughs) Yeah, different ideas. I want an apology. So we asked thousands of people two questions. 
when you apologize, what do you typically say or do? Second question, when someone apologizes to you, what do you want to hear them say or do? And their answers fell into five categories. Now, I promise you, we were not looking for five. <laughs> I like five. <laughs> we weren't looking for five. We called them the five languages of apology. Uh, the newest edition of that book is called When Sorry Isn't Enough. Mm-hmm. It's the same book, basically, just a different title and reworked a little bit. But, yeah, I'll give you briefly those, uh, those five ways to apologize. Uh, we, apology languages. Now, uh, number one is uh, expressing regret. Often with the words, I'm sorry. But don't ever use those two words alone. Tell them what you're sorry for. I'm sorry that I lost my temper and yelled at you. I'm sorry that I came home an hour and a half late and we've missed the program. I know you wanted to go. So tell them what you're sorry for. If you just say, I'm sorry, they may well be thinking, you certainly are. Is there anything else you'd like to say? <laughs> you, know, you think you're apologizing. They think you're giving a character report. That's right. <laughs> And don't ever add the word but. Right. I lost my temper, but if you had not, then I would not. Now you're blaming them for your poor behavior. Mm -hmm. Expressing regret. And then uh, accepting responsibility. I was wrong. Should not have done that. No excuse for that. I accept full responsibility. And then uh, there is also offering to make restitution. Honey, I'm sorry. I know I was wrong. What can I do to make it up to you? How can I make this right? And uh, for some people, if you don't offer to make it right in their mind, you're not really sincere in your apology. And then it's uh, what, what we call genuine repentance. It's expressing the desire to change your behavior. Honey, I know I did this last month and I told you I was sorry. Now here I've done it again this month. I don't like this about me. Can we talk and get a plan so I won't do this again? And for some people, if you don't ask for help on getting a plan so you won't do it again, they don't think you're sincere. You know, you said you were sorry, and then last week and week before, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sick of hearing you tell I'm sorry. You know, I want to see change. And some people, if you don't express the desire to change your behavior, you're not sincere. And then number five is actually requesting forgiveness. Will you forgive me? or I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. I value our relationship and I know I've hurt you and I hope you can forgive me. And for some people, if you don't request forgiveness Mm -hmm. in their mind, you haven't really apologized sincerely. So uh, chances are, if you're married, you have one idea uh, or one or two of these are really important for you and your spouse thinks in a sincere apology is something else. And we typically learned it from our parents. Mm-hmm. Your little Johnny pushes his sister down the stairs. And his mother says, Johnny, you don't do that to sister. Go tell her you're sorry. So little Johnny says, I'm sorry, even if he's not. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. He's 25 now. He's married. <laughs> if he offends his wife, he's going to say, I'm sorry. You know? so we learned it from our parents, but we had different parents. And so right. we have different ideas right. on what it means to apologize. Wow. Do we usually apologize in different ways than we expect an apology? Are those usually different or the same? No, typically what we expect is what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're looking for uh, you, the, the uh, not only I'm sorry, but I was wrong, and we both of those are really important to us, then that's typically what we do. We say I'm sorry and I was wrong. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. 
Um, my, uh, we've been married 28 years, but for the first like five, maybe even 10 years, when we would get in a disagreement, the way that my husband apologized, would he, he would come home with something, you know, so flowers or, and I realized this is his apology, <laughs> but I'm like, you know, we could save some money. If you would just say these words, <laughs> um, and that is, that helped us tremendously too. But I'm like, oh, and you can use the words and the flowers. I mean, that'd be a nice combination, you know. Yeah, and especially if gifts is your love language, so we apologize with words and flowers. That's and right. He, That's <laughs> right. He's apologizing and and expressing love. That's right. <laughs> can we talk about love languages for kids? and why it's important yes. for parents to understand their kids' love languages? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I did my research with couples, but I also knew it applied to children. And so I wrote the book, you know, Five Love Languages of Children for Parents. The question is not, do you love your children? Mm. By nature, we love our children. The question is, do your children feel loved? Mm. I remember the 13-year-old who had run away from home, and he ended up in my office. And he said to me, my parents don't love me. They love my brother, but they don't love me. I knew his parents. I knew they loved him. The problem is they had never learned the concept, and they had never learned his language. So he didn't feel loved. So, yeah, it's extremely important that you learn a child's primary love language and you give them heavy doses of that language. Now, don't hear me saying that with children, you only speak their primary language. You give heavy doses of the primary, but you also speak the other four, because ideally, we would like that child to learn how to receive love and then give love in all five love languages. That's the healthiest adult. But most of us did not receive all five growing up. So we came to adulthood, and some of these we, we had not received, and we didn't know how to give them. Mm -hmm. Of course, the, the good thing is you can learn to speak any of these languages as an adult, even if you didn't receive them as a child. But for children, you give them heavy doses of the primary. You also speak the other languages on a regular basis. And, and, you, and you're not only you know, meeting that need, you're teaching them how to express love in five different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that's super important. I have a five-year-old and all she wants to do is be thrown around and to wrestle and be on top of me. I have yep. a three-month-old, no telling, but <laughs> when, about kind of what age do we really start to see these develop where we can really be intentional and in looking out for what are these love languages? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think, I think definitely by the age of four, sometimes at the age of three, by observing their behavior, Exactly what you just described. My son's love language is physical touch. When he was that age, I would come home in the afternoon. He would run to the door, grab my legs, and climb on me. <laughs> He's touching mm -hmm. me because he wants to be touched. Mm -hmm. Our daughter never did that. When she was that age, she would say, Daddy, come into my room. I want to show you something. Mm -hmm. She wanted quality time. She wanted my undivided attention. So it's there very early in a child's life. People have asked me, is it nature or nurture? I don't know. I just know it's there early. Hmm. And at least by four years of age, you can get the primary. Before that, you just you just speak all five, you know. But I think you'll begin to see by their behavior hmm. and the way they relate to you and other people that, you know, you, you'll pick up on their language. And that makes sense. Around when she was four is when I started getting a lot more sore. 
So that, that makes sense <laughs> for jumping out of me. So. <laughs> Dr. Chapman, I have three kids, boy, girl, twins that are 12, and then a little girl that's nine. And I would just love your encouragement. You know, all three of my kids are extraordinarily different. Um, and I'm sure that's true for a lot of us. And so we find ourselves wanting to re- reach out to our kids and, and meet them and love them where they are. But it takes a lot of time and int- intention to do that, especially when you feel like your kids are vastly different and their needs are different. Just give us some encouragement as moms in the trenches who want to love our kids well, but feel like, am I doing enough? Am I speaking their language enough? And, you know, yeah. how to love them well. Yeah, well, no question about it there. Children are different. I, I wrote a book uh, later. It was called, uh, it is called uh, Five Things I Want. No, it's called. Uh, <laughs> so many bugs. Yeah, so yeah, I got it now. <laughs> Things I wish I'd known before we had children. Oh. And one of the chapters is, I wish I'd known that no two children are alike. Mm-hmm. Son and our daughter, very, very, very different. And you have three and they're all very different. Uh, first of all, we have to recognize that and not try to put them into the same mold. Uh, and then secondly, we need to recognize that they're not going to respond the same way to, to expressions of love. I remember, for example, a couple who said to me, Gary, we had twin daughters. And when we would go on a trip, we'd bring them a gift. We'd bring them the same gift. If it was teddy bears, we'd bring them t- two teddy bears, just different colors. And one of our daughters would say, oh, thank you so much. I'd, oh, I'm so glad she'd give it. She'd give the bear a name and she'd show it to her grandmother and the other child would just kind of throw it over on the bed and say, well, thank you. <laughs> and we thought, she, she's not gracious enough. She's got to learn gratitude. When we read the book on the love language of children, we realized this child, the first one, that was her love language, gifts. The other one would say, mommy, can I see the pictures? Can I see the pictures? She wanted to sit down and see the pictures. She wanted undivided mm-hmm. attention. Mm-hmm. She wanted mm-hmm. to see what we did on our trip. And she said, we kind of realized, oh, it's not that she doesn't have gratitude. It's just that that's not her love language, so she responds differently. So, yeah, I think uh, learning each child's love language, and if the, if the whole family can discuss it, hmm. mother has a love language, daddy has a love language, Johnny and Mary, you know, and now we all have the concept. And so we learn, and we can even talk about it, you know, expressing each other's love language. Uh, that to me, that's the healthiest setting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, but yeah, you're right. It's a challenge. You've got three children. I have a friend who has nine children. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Dear Lord. Uh, I don't know how you do that. But <laughs> no. How do you even find the time to speak to nine different children? <laughs> <That's right. today? laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're right. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a challenge because yeah. they are different and we have to treat them differently, not just in love, but in, in other ways as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. All right. One more question for Dr. Chapman. Who wants to take it? Jay, you want it? I just want to put him in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Pull him out when I'm like wanting to do something at the store or with my husband. Um, (laughs) um, I... uh, my husband, I don't know if we have the most mature uh, marriage here at the table, but um, during the pandemic, we did. We became closer. We had a healthy marriage going in. Um, it has definitely helped us now. I think for 
his love language is quality time. And I think, um, or at least I've heard, uh, naturally for men, it is, is time and touch, of course. Um, m- maybe more of the intimate aspect for the touch for the man and then the quality time. But my ears perked up when you said quality time, but not watching a movie, like spending actual time with each other. And I think that's what he would prefer. It's not my love language. So when I am spending time with him, it is a labor of love, in my opinion. So how can I be more um, just attentive to him? Because his I I, we have very similar hobbies and likes. So um, that has been helpful. Um, But, you know, that we're on the the mature end of our marriage and keeping it strong and keeping it um, exciting. Yeah. Well, here's one thing I just thought a suggestion. Every other week, one week, you say you have a sit down time and you say to him, okay, honey, I want you to share with me one thing that I could change in my life that would make things better for you. Mm-hmm. And then he and then he agrees to, first of all, he's going to tell you three things he really likes about you. And then he's Just going to give three? you one thing. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> okay. Then next week, it's the other way around. Okay. He said, okay, honey, this week, I want you to tell me one thing that I could do or stop doing that would make life better for you. And then you give him three compliments first. You know, and then you say, okay, honey, if you want to be even better, here's one thing that would really be helpful to mm-hmm. If you do that every other week, you have a potential of changing 26 things a year. Mm. <laughs> 26 little things that'll make it better. Uh, so uh, that, that would be my suggestion. Uh, and in terms of quality time, of course, would be one way would be asking, some of the, his answers are going to be how you could express quality time with him because if that's his language, he's going to give you some ideas on how to, you know, how to do that in a better way. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So good. Dr. Chapman, you are a gift to Thank so you. many people mm-hmm. around so the world many. and have transformed so many marriages. Keeping people married, Gary, right. keeping people married. <laughs> well, you know, it's amazing to me how God has used not, not only the love language, but many of my other books mm-hmm. and how many people have said, you know, that, that book and said, particularly that saved our marriage, you know, yeah. and, and we you know, see it in the workplace. All, all right? of us have gifts yeah. and all of us have, you know, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we invest our lives in things. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm getting near the end of the journey and I'm looking back on my life. Mm. I just released my, just this week, I released my memoirs. <gasps> oh, wow. Oh, wow. It's called Lessons Learned and Love Languages. What oh, I goodness. learned on my unexpected journey. Wow. And uh, I'm just trying to help, you know, go through my life and share the lessons I learned. First of all, in my early childhood mm-hmm. and then in my educational journey and then in my marriage and then in my children. You know, mm. we talk about impacting children, but children impact us. That's right. I learned mm. how to handle anger from my teenage son. Mm. Wow. But I didn't know how. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and neither did he. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then and then my, my vocation. So I'm hoping mm. that book is going to give people an inside look into my life and how, you know, because I didn't set out to write books. I didn't set out to be a counselor. Mm. You know, I was going to be a missionary. And, you know, but... <laughs> You, we all have plans, but we have to hold those plans in an open hand mm-hmm. and let God lead our path. Amen. And when we do, his plans are going to be better than ours. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, oh, that's yeah. going to be a page. Okay, turn. so we all need to pick so up rich. the book. That's going to be Lessons yeah. learned in love languages. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, awesome. it was good chatting with you. And I, I love what you do with the, with Mop, the Mops ministry. 
Uh, we have a local group here. I've spoken to them along the way and uh, appreciate what you're doing. So keep up the good work. Dr. Chapman, thank you so much for being with us today. We have learned so much and it was such an awesome conversation. It was so good. That was yeah. one of the good. best conversations I've been a part of. Absolutely. I agree. Okay. So I have a couple of follow-up questions from what we learned today. And Chloe, I'm curious if you have figured out Axton's love language yet. Mm. So, I mean, he's only, he's not quite three yet. So, oh, so you have so four. So Dr. Chapman said, (laughs) you got a little bit of time, but I was thinking about it and I feel like he is very much quality time is when he thrives. Mm. So, you know, if we're like, I always if Adam's on his phone playing a game or something and with him, like he definitely like craves that attention or, you know, we'll, we'll throw more tantrums or something if, if he's watching TV versus just mm-hmm. like spending quality time with us. Um, and also just physical touch. I think he's getting more into that now too, which I love because, you know. I know, soak up all those snuggles <laughs> while you can. <laughs> he would run like, you know, just all, nonstop energy all the time. But now he's like, kind of getting in the stage where he'll like sit on the couch and cuddle with me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Okay. Janella, I'm curious if you feel like your love language has changed or stayed the same over the years. Hmm. Yeah. I have to think about that. Um, I think it's changed. I think one, like uh, Dr. Chapman shared with us, I think my primary one has stayed the same, um, words of affirmation. And I think it was a, a I, we just lacked it as children when we were growing up. So I think, you know, I've in my own confidence, I don't need it as much as I did when I was in my teen years, uh, young adult life. Um, so that one has stayed the same, <laughs> but I acts of service used to be important to me. And now I'm like, nah, but I like a good gift. Oh, mm. okay. That's good I to like know. a good gift. Um, You're a really good gift giver. So I that's actually, I think that is a true statement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, need a lot I of wish help. I had to know. I mean, when I buy gifts for people, I'm like, huh, I did a yeah, good job good. on that. Like, good job, Jay. Um, and I just, I keep telling people like also with gift giving because I've gotten that compliment before. I'm like, just pay attention. Like, why did you, does she ever wear that color? No. Does she ever use a thing like that? No. Well, why'd you buy it? Oh, I liked it. Well, it's not for you. It's for the other person. So anyway, a little tip on gift giving. Um, And I think the other love language is... (laughs) This is your third? Taking notes. I think, yes, I think I have three. Well, and I also read somewhere that you might have a piece of all of them. Yes, Mm -hmm. I think that's true. That makes sense. So I think, and also I feel like I have to keep my mouth right here, so... I want to talk to you. Um, I think the probably, you know, I'm, I'm always hugging on somebody. Yeah. So yeah. touch for sure. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm always hugging and grabbing and, and having sex every night of the week. <laughs> well, and grabbing like, in a, like I've grabbed your butt. Yeah, I mean, true. I mean, I'm just always grabbing someone or something. You wait, Leanna. I can't wait. I'm going to grab it's all over you. <laughs> so constantly hugging. I, I mean, Rick and I are glued to each other all the time. So, and it's funny because at night, if I, like our hand is on a, a body part, like not inappropriately, but like on a body part. And then if one of us moves in the middle of the night and my hand moves, his hand shifts. It's the weirdest thing ever. You're like in sync. We are. And so he, that. like his hands off and I'm like, oh, where's he? And then he'll put his hand. So touch, I think is very, very important. Does it's anyone else on have like one level. love language where you're like, this is absolutely it? 
Not just no. one. Well, you? I, when you take the quiz, I think it, it like ranks you. So Adam and I, so mine is quality time. And then Adam's is words of affirmation, which is interesting for a man. Yeah, I think. yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. Followed by quality time. And then right. physical touch, which makes sense for a man. But yeah. <laughs> but followed by. Right. So this was third uh-huh. touch. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. That's really interesting. What's yours, Mandy? Um, with Joe, it's acts of service and it never used to be. But once we had kids, I was like, dude, please do the dishes. I need you to step up. <laughs> um, so that's probably what it is right now. Yeah. It's definitely not words, which is weird. Yours or his? Mine. Yeah, Rick's isn't. Mm -mm. I could like list 10 things. I'm like, babe, you're this, you're that. And he's like, uh. -uh." (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't really do much for him. Mm -mm. Yeah. Interesting. What about you, Leanna? I would say first words. Mm -hmm. And I think especially the people in my life that words can just remind you who you are. You know, like when you lose your way, it's not just like, I don't think of empty compliments as words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. I think of like, reminding you who you are and then touch for sure. I find touch to be very grounding and Mm -hmm. it gives you a sense of belonging. So both Mm -hmm. of those. Absolutely. Especially after this year, I want to touch. Yes, totally. And I don't even like need to be around people Mm -hmm. a lot because you know how much Mm -hmm. of an introvert, but I feel the Mm -hmm. same way. I just want to be close to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Matt, what's yours? And then secondly, is it the same with Kristen as it is with your friends? Um, well, I don't know about our friends, but I think from the man perspective, it is so obviously I knew this topic was coming up. And so I chatted with Kristen to get an update. (laughs) Um, and whenever we first got married, you know, mine was your typical man, physical touch. And she said that hers was quality time. And a few years into our marriage, I was like, mm, I don't think quality time's it. I don't think, I don't think that's the one. And she was, but then she reaffirmed. She's like, no, it's, it's quality time. And I was like, okay, well, we'll keep hanging out then. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and I, and then finally she came to a place where she's like, actually, I don't think it is. I think it's actually gifts. I've started to notice that I care a lot about the gifts. Oh gosh, that, that are given. Gift giver. So we got to work on that. I. <laughs> um, fun fact, all true. I am actually the worst gift giver, and which basically means that I don't know how I'm still married because some somehow you gave her I had a babies. closet gift giver um, that I there was married go. to, and I am cheap and like. I, yeah, not good at it. So I, I was taking a lot of mental notes when you were giving giving notes. Um, As far as for me, I think that for men, it is very hard to figure it out at an early age. Mm. And the reason why I say that is honestly just testosterone. Mm -hmm. And like, there is such a foggy desire for that physicalness that men go through that it makes everything else seem insignificant. And mm-hmm. so I think in my early twenties and we, we got married in, I think I was 23, 24 and I was still kind of in that fog. And that's really just how I found like, to me, that's what that was. And come, you know, coming out of that a little bit now having kids and all of that, I've actually started to realize that acts of service mean a lot to me. 
when someone's willing to do something for me. Mm. And I'm so a part of me is thinking, well, was it always acts of service? And now just the fog has lifted. And so now I actually can see kind of more of a true desire wow, for those things. Yeah, yeah. Because I think there's the, there is some biological aspect that I can't, mm-hmm. I couldn't get around. Mm-hmm. Like it was just a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so I've just noticed kind of coming now that I'm in my thirties, like I, acts of service just mean a lot now. So anyway, it's, it's weird how I thought mine was different. And then Kristen's has changed. And I don't know if it was that we got it wrong the first time or we just didn't know. Yeah, you're and just so learning each other. Totally. Right. You're and learning so, yourself and you're learning each other. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been good. interesting. That's good. Mm-hmm. And I'm a terrible gift giver, so. <laughs> well, Dr. We're, Chapman we're, said it's we're about the that. thought. It's the thought that counts. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. Um, I don't know if Matt Hagen has the thought. So we're going to work on that. <laughs> oh so gosh. the problem is, is she's very expensive to buy for. She has very expensive taste. So I'm not excited about this new development of gift giving. Um, <laughs> Might have to find a third job <laughs> to cover this this gift giving. Adam is very sweet. He always writes poems for me for mm. like every big occasion or just like Valentine's Day when our kids are born. Like, oh my goodness. Are you saving wow. those? Yeah. <laughs> and, oh um, my gosh. So that's what I said. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, for gifts or neither of us are gift language at all. But um, I'm like, yeah, I don't care about like the expensive stuff. It's like the thoughtful mm-hmm. poem stuff. Yeah. So. Totally. Mm. But I love. I love that. tender. That's awesome. Chloe, you did a poll, I believe, with our moms about loving your neighbor. You want to share about that? Yeah. So I asked, tell us the way that you've paid it forward. Um, We got a lot of great responses. Uh, A few of my favorites were one person, this has to do with just mops in general. And I just love this idea. She said she put the mops magazine with an encouraging note and $5 in the nursing area at the airport. Oh, wow. Whoa. That's cool. cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else said, this was just touching. My grandma it used to drive me places. Now I drive her places. Uh, so Whitney said, I bought the elderly man's bananas in front of me at the grocery store. <laughs> and uh, a couple more, just typed up everything that was helpful to me while pregnant to pass on to new mamas. I think something like that's really helpful. I always see, I appreciate you're in those like mom groups and they have, you know, newborn baby stuff, everything that you need or don't need kind of list. That's really mm-hmm. helpful. I think to new moms. Mm-hmm. And then this one I like just because it's just so small, but can make a big difference too. It's just like just making someone happy. Uh, left the quarter in the Aldi cart for the next shopper. That's mm. cool. That's awesome. That's great. I sometimes forget it's those little things that yeah. make a huge difference totally. in other people's days. One time someone bought the... <laughs> such a jerk and now after afterwards I was like why did I do that the person in front of me at in the Starbucks line bought my drink and then while I was thanking the person I was like or the checkout uh, the person checking me out I'm like oh my gosh that was so nice and then I left I was like well I was gonna <laughs> spend six dollars on me why didn't I spend it on the person behind me so since then I tried to remember to to you know, buy the person's drink. One time I did, um, 
and it didn't go over very well, but I bought a hot drink for um, a person who was, you know, you could tell he was just kind of alone and sitting by himself and, and I think had slept there the night before. And I handed him the drink and he goes, no, thanks. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was so happy, like the sprinkles and the, and the whipped cream. And he's like, no, thanks. He's probably like, I don't know, lady, did you spike my drink? <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> so I've learned a lot about that. I have a friend that every once in a while, and it always inevitably ends up being the perfect timing. She just sends me $5 through Venmo. And she says, get a junk, because I love beverages is another one of my love languages, just beverages. And um, she's like, just get 42 ounces of whatever you want, you know? And I just, it always just is so tender to me. I love so I that. said something small, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Another small way that we can love the people around us is to start a conversation with some friends or around our mops table. And so Leanna, will you share with us the questions we have to wrap up this podcast? Yes. So these are questions to take to your mom friends, your group, your journal, wherever you need to take them um, and keep the conversation going. What is one thing you needed to hear today? That was maybe from Dr. Chapman or from our group discussion. And then I love this quote from Mother Teresa. She said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Makes me think of what your dad was sharing with you, Matt. And um, what is one small way you can love your family this week? Share your love language or love languages with your group and ask them to share theirs. Just like what we got, what we just did around the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what has the pandemic year taught you about what you want differently this year related to loving people in your life. So how do you want to love people differently? And how did you, how did this year affect how you want to love people differently? Such good questions. All right, to wrap up, I want to paraphrase a quote from the movie, Shall We Dance? Starring J-Lo, because obviously, I mean, awesome. J-Lo. But this is what it says. We need a witness to our lives. There are a billion people on the planet. So what does any one life really mean? Mm. But in a relationship, you're promising to care about everything. The good things, the bad things, the terrible things, the mundane things, all of it, all of the time, every day. You're saying your life will not go unnoticed because I will notice it. Your life will not go unwitnessed because I will be your witness. And I think that really sums up why love languages and intentionality in our parenting and relationships and marriages is so important and holy because we all have this deep longing to be seen and known and we need people in our lives who know how we like our coffee without having to ask people who care about us so much that they make an effort to love us how we crave to be loved it's so essential but perhaps the way that we cultivate it is to be that for others. So go out and be someone's witness because it might just change their life and probably your life as well. All right, love you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey friends, thank you for joining us for Moms Unscripted, a production of Mops International. A quick reminder that opinions discussed are solely the opinions of the individuals and do not necessarily represent the organization. For more information on today's episode, please visit mops.org backslash Moms Unscripted podcast for show notes. And join us again next week for another unscripted conversation around the Mops table.